Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and business women, especially those of us working from home, that were just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done, were not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I love when I get the opportunity to actually bring a friend on the show to share her expertise. And today is one of those days. Kim I. Plyler is the CEO of Solcom Inc., a communications and PR firm based in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. She owns and operates RK Gallery in New Hope. Kim is a public speaker and the creator of the Master Your Story, It Matters programming. Kim uses her platform to encourage individuals and brands to find their story and to share those stories to improve humanity. She is a U.S. Navy veteran, author, certified optimize and mastery life coach, and the producer of Masterpiece Days magazine. And so with all that being said, Kim, welcome to Word of Mom Radio. Oh, Dory, thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm thrilled to get to share the woman behind the brand. Take us on your journey as to what has motivated you to be doing all that you do. Well, to tell you the truth, you know, I thought about that question for a long, long time. When I was a little girl, we were told to be quiet and sit in the corner. That children had uh, two ears and one mouth. Don't use your mouth. You're a girl. You're supposed to be quiet. Growing up with all brothers, be quiet. Your brother's opinions are more important. I found it fascinating that that drove me pretty much to where I am now to run a major communications and public relations firm where I do nothing but speak. So the motivation is to, to let women know that we are important. Our stories are important. What is going on inside all of us is important for us to find out for ourselves and then share with the rest of the world. So I was truly motivated from childhood on, and it just all sort of came into focus in the last 12 years. How did you get started? Actually, I went to college. I was a theater major in college, and then I went off and joined the Navy. And everybody always laughs. They're like, okay, you got a theater degree, then you joined the Navy. And I have to say, yeah, it's just a different stage with different costumes. You know, I truly believe theater degrees teach you about all of humanity, of the psychology of people, studying characters, the engagement that you have interacting with others, how to stand, what to do, how to build. So for me, a degree in theater could get you a job anywhere. But I chose the Navy. And in the Navy, I went completely around the world on a ship and uh, circumnavigated the world ditch to ditch, they say. It got my shell back and all this great Navy lingo stuff that you do. But the most fascinating part of it was I was the ship's journalist. I ran the TV news station. I handled all the protocol visits for the ship when we went into all those foreign ports. And back then, they didn't have very many females coming in on ships to certain foreign ports. So it was, it was fascinating. It was before the Internet, too. So we had to do all this research without the internet. So it was interesting. But through that, I met reporters and everything. And when I got out of the Navy, I realized that I was destined to form a communications and PR firm and just help stories get out there. I was just going to ask you that. How did Saul Communications develop? So what an interesting way to gain that experience. 
Yeah, and it was it was fun, Dory, because when we went to ports like uh, Muscat, Oman, we were the first ship with females on it to pull into that port. So there was a ton of media from all around the world covering us pulling in there. And I was coordinating that with them. So I made all these friends in the media. And throughout my whole five years as a journalist and public affairs officer with the Navy, I kept those friends and I still have them today. So when I walked out of the Navy, I knew that there were so many stories from around the world and every port I went into, Dory, I got to tell you, women, I mean, we, we say here in the United States that, you know, we have a, a further, a longer way to go, baby, or we're getting there and all that stuff. But some of the ports I've seen in foreign countries, women are so much downtrodden, pushed down, pushed back, their voice is not even heard. And through that experience of going into Muscat Oman, Bahrain, even Australia, when we hit Perth, Australia, women were not treated fairly there. And this was back in the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, it, to me, it was a motivating cause to make sure these voices get heard, because what's the world doing right now when we're missing all these potential stories, these potential things that could be healing humanity, and they're scrunched down because women weren't allowed to speak? So to me, that's my motivating force. So I got out of the Navy and I just started helping people from a communication standpoint. Had my first company in Virginia Beach, but learned how to run a company by making the mistakes and then ended up working for a newspaper in Chicago for a while. And I landed back in uh, communications for the Pentagon as a contractor for the Navy. And through that, again, made some more contacts in military technology and decided it was time to strike out on my own. So here I am. What a journey. I love this. It's amazing to me the way the path can take people and what they do with the experiences along the way. You're an author. Yes. When did you release your first book and what was it about? I released my first book in 2019. It took that long to come out. It was because I was developing the master your story process of looking inward to find what's going on with you. And I didn't know I had a block in my heart, but I found it when I went through this Master Your Story process. And the block was when I served in the in the Navy in boot camp. After you leave boot camp, you go to a training school next, and then they send you out into the fleet. Well, while I was at my training school, I had three close friends, and we kind of all hung around together. And one night, we all experienced the tragedy of being all four of us raped in the military as on the same night. And one of us was severely raped to the point where she was not capable of walking or even making coherent sentences. It damaged her so much. And uh, it got shuffled under the carpet. And she was put in the sick bay for a, quote, stomach ache. And I went to see her. And we cried. We cried real hard together. And I told her, I said, Dino, I said, you know, one day, I don't care if it takes me until I'm old and in my 50s. I'm going to make sure that I know I'm going to make sure this story is told because every official was saying, don't say anything because what will happen to you. And again, this is back in the late 1980s. They said anything that will happen to you is you'll, you'll get a dishonorable discharge. You'll be sent home. Your career will be ruined for the rest of your life. Don't say anything. Just get out of here and get to your next duty station and forget it happened and move on. And that's the direction we received from a female chief in the Navy. But it happened to her back in the 70s. And she stood up and said something. And she lived a very terrible life for the next 15 years and landed up as a gate guard right where we were going to A school. So her advice was, be quiet. Don't say anything. They'll ruin your career. Just go to your next place and act like it didn't happen. And so for all this time, I acted like it didn't happen, but knowing it did happen. And as I was going through the Master's Story process and developing it, I'm like, I can't develop this and put this out there as a way to help people if I'm not healing that what's in me. So I, I went and got counseling and I talked with people. And then when it hit me, I felt like I had lied to my friend Dino and did not tell the story. 
So I wrote the story and then it became a screenplay. And then I was down with Senator Gillibrand, U.S. Senator from New York, in the Senate dining hall talking about how we can help military sexual assault victims get their voices heard. And that's how it kind of just grew from there. There comes those times you just don't even know what to say because it's an amazing thing. And it's not just the Navy. Right. All across the platforms that women are just told, get over it, keep it to yourself. You know, the, the father whose son actually said, you know what, my son's life should be ruined for 20 minutes of pleasure. It's like, what did you say? This girl has to live with this forever. It's it really is. So yeah. good for you. Good for you that you are speaking out, that you are helping other women. It, it's an amazing thing to me. And the guy doesn't have to worry about his career. Nobody's telling him, hey, you know, that's it. We're going to put you here. Yeah. Unbelievable. And you know, the interesting thing is, is as I started to uncover this and work with the VA in different places to get this process in and protect our defenders, which is a great nonprofit organization that made up of legal teams that help victims of military sexual trauma, I learned that even though we know we see women as being, there are also men that have been raped in the military too. So it's been not as many, and I think not as many are speaking up too. That's the other part of the problem, but not as many women speak up either. So it's just a, the military is like a microcosm of the rest of the world, you know, just kind of all smushed into one location. And the hard part about being treated like that when you're a sailor or a Marine or whatever, it's your shipmate next to you who you have to trust if you get into war or you have to get is the guy that did that to you. And I have seen women on our ship, it happened to them by senior people on the ship. So you have the commanding officer of the ship, what they call captain's mask, and they bring them in to try the issue, right? Well, this issue was a senior enlisted male who runs the engine of the ship uh, raped a younger junior female who's an admin clerk. So they both stand in front of the commanding officer, and he has to decide while we're floating out in the middle of the ocean, nowhere to go, what do I do with this situation? I can't lose my engineer guy because he has to run the ship. So let's put the admin girl away from everybody, and they put her in the brig behind bars as if, you know, that wasn't only going to complicate that he, the, the captain was thinking, if I segregate her from everybody else, she won't get hurt again. But what he wasn't seeing was the image of her being thrown behind bars, which was not where she belonged. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when we get to, we got to the next port, they deployed her back home to the United States and she had an administrative discharge from the military and she'd only been in three years. You know, it's stuff like that, and, and they don't have jurisdiction. I mean, the commanding officer has to run the ship. His, his thing is to take care of the ship, make sure the mission happens, and do what he's told, right? So I understand the perspective of I have to maintain my ship. What I don't understand is why isn't there legal teams brought in from the outside that are not, you know, sitting on the ship with you to litigate the course, take the two people off the ship or one off the ship and give them proper legal counsel and litigate it the way it should be done. And that's what Protect Our Defenders and the Military Justice Improvement Act is trying to do. And it's getting through. There's a couple changes, but it's been an eight to 10 year process for a lot of senators, congressmen and, and activists trying to get that fixed. It really is an amazing thing to me that they're looking at, well, you know, he's got to run the ship and she's just in communication. And to think, to not have the understanding psychologically of segregating somebody by putting them in the brig, yeah. you've thrown this woman in jail because she was raped. Yeah, that's 
pretty much what happened to her. Yeah. I mean, again, in a man's mentality, they're thinking, oh, you know, we're keeping her safe. You've just told her she committed the crime by putting her in the brig. You know, it's like talking about what you're wearing. Rape is not about sex. It is about taking somebody's power from them. It is about not what they're wearing. It is about psychologically destroying somebody because you can, because you are an untouchable. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's making me think of the general's daughter, that movie. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah. You know, and where she's like, yeah, daddy, this is what they did to me, you know, and you told me to let it go. And her wanting him to see really what they did. It's It's mind boggling. But it, it, it became the launch pad for me to create this, this Master Story program, not just for uh, survivors of military sexual trauma. We work with artists. We work with, you know, companies and, and different things. But it, it's finding that story. And I got to tell you, it's really hard for some people to get past the surface of what they think they're doing. They have to dig deep. The theory that counselors talk about, peel back the onion, layer and layer and layer. Well, life is a continual onion that you don't get to the bottom of. You know, you've got to find your path along those stories that you're hiding. And a lot of times I worked with people that that piece they thought was going to be like a story in to put on social media. And it turned into an academic course for a college, you know, so we, yeah, wow. we take them into training things and we, we work with them. The book that I wrote turned into a screenplay. It's been bounced around different places. Uh, it hasn't been picked up yet, but there's some interest. But you know how that goes. That's the whole Hollywood world. You know, the, the other artists that I've worked with, their paintings have gone on to help other people. They've gone in movies where people have dealt with the subjects of uh, such as military sexual trauma or rape in itself. And their painting is in the background of a movie that's trying to rectify or bring information to that. So it's been fascinating. So I took the roundabout way of learning from the military, the communications, the the frustration of seeing women mostly who have not been able to speak up and have their story told. And then to see what we can do given the recent shutting down of all the different places in the world of the pandemic, of what really needs to happen and virtue needs to come out. So through that, one of the ways that I brought virtue out is to build Arate Gallery. So Arate, which is a Greek derivative for living and working in virtue, really stands for a place in New Hope, Pennsylvania, where artists come in and they donate their time and stuff to getting their paintings up. They hang on the gallery wall. And when a painting sells, a donation is made to the charity of the artist's choice, and then the, the gallery matches it. And we do events out of there, and we get people talking and getting involved in their own Master Your Story process through creativity. So it kind of all just came together. I have to say it is a lovely gallery. It really is. It is a lovely gallery. You are sharing some really amazing artists and I love the mission behind it. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Say thank you to our sponsors. When we come back, I really want to delve into the Master Your Story program and why it is so important. But we'll be back here in just a moment on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote. Or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, 
we win. We all know a survivor. Some of our friends and family have made it through difficult times. Some of us don't make it. Losing a loved one to cancer, a car accident, or any other unfortunate event can be crippling and unavoidable. But one of the hardest subjects to talk about is suicide. Too often our youth decide that leaving this place is easier than facing the struggle forced upon them every day. More than one in four children go through some form of bullying or another. Most of us survive with scars, but for some, the inner demons created cannot be recognized or treated in time to ensure they make it through. Bullying in every form is very much avoidable. It starts with me, and it starts with you. This is Kelly Carius from No Such Thing as a Bully, reminding you to do your part when you see bullying happen. If you don't know what that is, call 403-447-4404 or go to nosuchthingasabully.com. Don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice because safety it's in the bag. And we're back here on Word of Mom Radio with Kim I. Plyler. What a journey. So as I said before we took our break, really talk to us about why the Master Your Story program is so important because it is so important for people to get in touch with their own story. Yeah, Dory, thanks. Um, when we developed it, it was mainly to get people to look inside themselves and see what it is that they need to be doing on this earth, because let's admit it, we only have maybe 90 to 100 years of uh, time here, some less, some more. Um, But you're here for a reason, and we're in this, having this spiritual experience in these human bodies for a reason, and we're all connected. And what's really sad is when you're connected with somebody who doesn't see the potential that they have to help heal you, me, everybody else, the community, whatever it is. Um, and that's where we come in. And sometimes people come to us just because they think they want to write a book, but that's an inkling that there's something going on inside of them that they want said. So we, we give them this really cool questionnaire that helps them dig a little deeper into themselves. And then from that, we assess whether they're going to go in this direction, that direction, whatever. And then we sit down with them and do a deep dive where we're one-on-one with them for about 90 minutes to two hours, picking through what it is that they do. And it's, really all relationship-based. It's getting to know the person, getting to know the company, the whatever it is, the product, and where it's going. And the reason it's important, I think, because so many people have covered over what they're really supposed to be doing on this planet, and the rest of humanity is going to suffer. And I think coming up, if you look into the future, I would say in the future, humanity is going to have a challenge, and its biggest challenge is not going to be, you know, one country versus another country. I truly think it's going to be against automation and, and AI stuff. And I think we have to solidify the human bond of connection between each other and with each other through virtue, through arte, through all those things. So that when we have to stand up against an enemy that's not human, we're going to be there together to do it. I love that you pointed that out because it's amazing that the more technology grows, the less the human interaction is important. One of our guests was telling a story about how her daughter and her boyfriend had gone out on a date. And when her daughter came back, she's like, Mom, it was so uncomfortable because they were used to just texting each other all the time. Oh, yeah. So to sit and actually have a conversation was an anomaly to them. I'm thrilled that my children grew up 
right before all of this happened. Now I have grandchildren. I have one son who's very much into technology, and my grandson has his tablet. He's amazing. And then I have the other son that they don't even have a TV, you know. And so my granddaughter is, you know, on the, the complete opposite side of it. There has to be a middle ground. You know, there are wonderful things about technology. Believe me, I sit there with my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson who's doing math and sequencing and things and reading because of working on his tablet. Now, when he comes to Mimi's, there are no electronic toys in Mimi's house. But when I go to his house, he wants to show me these things, and so I will sit with him and I will learn. And I'm continually blown away by it. We've got to find that middle ground because you're right. It is not going to be a country against a country. It's going to be people against artificial intelligence. Yeah. And that's a scary thing. You know, that is a scary thing because artificial intelligence has no way to discern feelings, emotion, or anything else. It is robotic. It is going to do what it's programmed to do. And that's, that's why. That's the main reason why everybody needs to understand who they are and the gifts they bring. Because when we unite across those types of fronts, there's nothing that can stop us as far as I'm concerned. So we're here to do this charge. And I really, I hope I don't see it in my lifetime. And <laughs> I don't know if I want to see the AI fight, you know, it, although it seems to be moving. I just saw great robots on TV just dancing around, having a good time, like humans climbing up over mountains and preparing themselves for war. And like, wow. I'm yeah. serious. I literally just got a chill down my spine when yeah. you said that. I really did. You know, what you were talking about, though, I keep flashing to Marianne Williamson, that when you shine your light, you give other people permission to shine theirs. We yeah. say it all the time here on Word of Mom Radio. When you win, we win. It is why, especially as women, it is so important for us to support each other, encourage each other, empower each other and share our gifts and encourage other women to share theirs. Like you said, when we grew up, women were supposed to be seen and not heard. You had two ears and one mouth for a reason. I was very blessed to grow up around very powerful women. So I was encouraged to just get out there. My mother was a singer. They'd stand me up on the table when I was five so I could sing and dance and so I was very fortunate, and I have two sons and a daughter. Let's face it, raising a girl to teach them the rules but not breaking that spirit, for them to be able to stand up for themselves, absolutely not be afraid to defend themselves. My daughter, I had to teach you teach your children early that these yes. are the private parts of your body, blah, blah, blah. My daughter was three going in for a checkup, and the doctor went to lift her panties, and she slapped her hands down. She's like, that's my private part of my body, and you have no permission to put your hands there. And the doctor looked at her, and she, that's right. She was like, you know what, you're absolutely right, but I am your doctor, and your mommy is right there, and so is Nurse Grace. I need to look and examine you to make sure everything is okay, but your mommy is here, and so is the nurse. You never let somebody do that by themselves. Afterwards, she was like, go sit with Daddy and your brothers. I'll be right back, and she shook my hand. So I've never had a three-year-old say that to me. Wow. I said, well, it's a sad world we live in that I have to teach my three-year-old. But yeah. she just, without a qualm, we do. We need to empower especially our daughters yeah. to stand up and fight for who they are. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to say to you, if you could go back and speak to your 17-year-old self, what would you say, Kim? I would say, understand your mother. Forgive her for the evil things that have happened. But embrace what she wants you to learn because truly at her heart, 
she wants the best for you and just don't give up. Wow. You know, I just put up a post in my story the other day that said behind every awesome kid is a mom who just <laughs> is like, please, I hope I didn't screw it up. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. They don't come with a rule book. No, they, they don't. They, you know, they hand you this child and you're keeping your fingers crossed that, and I say it all the time, all I can pray is that whatever I screwed up, I did so much more good. So you saying that about forgiving your mom, forgive your mom. She just <laughs> did her best and she loved them. Was, yeah, they did the best with what they knew, you know. And it, it, and honestly, I flash back, like I hear great stories from everybody who had empowering moms and everything. The only thing my mom would always empower me with is like, get out of here. Go live your life. Make sure you have your own bank account before you get married and learn how to live with yourself before you get married. Yeah, she that's was very nice. Yeah, she was very active socially in the in politics and in the community and stuff like that. So I got the uh, anti-fragile, as I call it, the strength and anti-fragileness from her. Who She was a go-getter. Every, when she passed away, everybody knew her as like the go-getter that would get everything done. So I kind of adopted that from her. So thank her for that. And I try to hold on to that and not look at the other things that happened in the, in the time frame as a child. So for you, in looking back, Kim, who are some of the people you've worked with throughout the years? And do you have any that stand out to you? Um, you mean client-wise? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, client-wise. Definitely Martin Guitar. Um, we work with uh, uh, Chris Martin and Mike Nelson and Mitchell and everybody over at Martin Guitar. And they are just, they're family run, but they're just a beautiful organization. They treat you as, a, you know, you come in, we hired you for your expertise. They actually let you do your expertise, which is nice. And then they, they respect you for that. So Martin Guitar is one of my favorite. Um, I got to media train Colin Powell when I worked at the Pentagon. So I had one-on-one -on -one time with him. It was my first media training session in the Pentagon as a young whippersnapper who just got out of the Navy. They didn't tell me who was on the other side of the door. And they said, just pull a name. Like we had we, my role play, my theater degree came in handy because you had to pull a name out of the hat. And it said like a reporter from the Washington Post on a deadline and you're belligerent, you know. And I'm like, oh, great, you know, <laughs> wonderful. So I'm like, all right. So I open up the door and there sits Colin Powell and I kind of squeaked and I closed the door. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, that's Colin Powell. I was just in the military. How do you expect me to go in there and teach him? And they said, well, that's your job. So get through the door. So I went through the door and acted like a belligerent reporter from the Washington Post. And underneath the table, my knees were knocking. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. But, you know, I got it done. And, and he did a great job. And then as I left, he said, hey, sailor, the restroom's around the corner and great job. And I would say, <laughs> it was so funny. I, I said, it could have been anybody else. I don't care if it was the president behind the door. But you put Colin Powell as my first one, you know. And he and I became pretty good buds at that point. And, uh. I met his wife and she wrote a children's book just as my son was being born. And so we have a copy of her children's book and it's just, they were just beautiful family, beautiful people. I always had so much respect for him. Yeah. I, truly. I'm glad to hear that he's a nice man because you never know yeah. when you, you know, when I was a kid growing up, my favorite baseball player was Roy White as a little kid. I'm a Yankee fan. I got to meet him as an adult and I wound up a board of director in his foundation. And it was funny because to meet somebody that you idolized growing up, he was everything you hoped your idol would be. Just kind and caring and respectful. And one of the biggest thrills in my life, we were at an event 
and he saw me across the room and walked over, kissed my cheek. He's like, hi, Dory, how are you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe Roy White just walked across the room to say hello to me. You know, it was just, so I I love that. I love hearing that Colin Powell personified to me such a command, but a respect, a real respect for his position, for the people that his decisions affected. Yeah, definitely. He was he was wonderful, and his wife just as beautiful, just as as kind and endearing and and loving of people like that. It, it's beautiful, but um, so those were ones I've worked with. But ones that inspired me—that's a whole different story. I was inspired a lot by Gloria Steinem, of course, Billie Jean King, of course, also Jane Fonda, and my ultimate favorite was actually Barbara Walters. Was uh, one of the ones because she was out telling the stories when I was a kid. So. You know, those types of things. I haven't worked with any of those, but, you know, maybe I'll just throw it out there. You never know. That's right. We're we're, we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds. You know, it's (laughs) funny. I watched The View probably 15 times in all these years. I'm not a big TV watcher. But Meredith Vieira asked Barbara Walters what she credited her career to, and she said her bladder. Because, (laughs) yeah, she was a weather girl. And they sent her to cover in 1960, the Democratic presidential convention. Mm-hmm. She didn't leave the floor for 18 hours. Oh, my glory. Every time the camera cut, the guys were drinking beer and in the bathroom, Barbara Walters was there. It was They constantly cut to her. Uh-huh. And that's what started her career as now a news reporter and a newscaster. <laughs> yeah. So she's credited her bladder. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's a great story. I really do. So I have to ask you as we're wrapping things up, because of your Master of Your Story program and everything else, if you could change something in this world, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. If I could change something in this world, I think I would have to change negative perceptions. And I know that's everybody has a different one, but it's the negativity when you're working with somebody and they just can't see the goodness or even the neutral feeling. And they're just constantly like Eeyore, just negative. You know, uh, I wish I could wipe that out of the consciousness of the world. I really wish I could. I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah. I really am. Yeah, that holds women back. We were talking about how women need to work with each other and help each other. There's that negative viewpoint that really holds women back. Yep. Well, it again. Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And so it's always, no matter what, any obstacle, crush the obstacle, let it pave the journey. Let it pave the journey. It just, you have to trust the journey. Things are going to get into your way. And if it takes you off the path and it takes you off, then you weren't committed to what you were doing. Make that commitment. It's nobody said it's going to be easy. And if they said it was going to be easy, they were lying. You know, they were telling you what you wanted to hear. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it. Always. So, Kim, how can everybody get in touch with you? Oh, well, there's my website, which is Kim I. Plyler. That's K-I-M-I-P-L-Y-L-E-R.com. And that's the best place because out of there, you'll, you'll be able to access Solcom, Arte Gallery, the Master Your Story process. So it all filters from KimIPlyler.com. Awesome. All of Kim's links are going to be live on our wordofmomradio.com page and on our show page. Kim, I thank you so much 
for oh, thank taking you. time. Oh, no, it's been such a pleasure. And I love getting to know things about you. I love being able to have this kind of a conversation because you've built such an amazing brand and are doing such amazing work. And it's wonderful to get to know the woman behind it. Thank you. Thank you, Dorian. Thank you for what you do and helping showcase women in this medium. It's so desperately needed. Let's shout it out to the world. Absolutely. And I'm excited because your show is in March and it's kicking off our 10th year on the air. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's very exciting that, that this show has grown and grown and five years in a row, uh, Feedspot just named us again since 2018, the number one podcast for mompreneurs. So I thank you for being part of our story and our journey. And for all of you tuning in, thank you so much for being here. We're going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters Bluegrass. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is strong.